to worship you today. We worship you in spirit and truth. We'd like to, I'd like to give a couple of acknowledgments today. And give me just a moment to get all of my information together. I'd like to pay special acknowledgments to you, the church members, those of you who are online today, members and guests, Pastor Matt, I'd like to thank you for allowing me to share your podium today. To the praise team, beautiful music. Uh, my grandson, Alex, I have stressed him out today, let me tell you. <laughs> so he's working. I'd also like to acknowledge the IT team, the photographer, your thoughts and your prayers. I'd like to thank you, your words of encouragement, and my sister in Christ, Tawana. I must say thank you for that. So I have a couple of jokes to give you on myself. So yesterday, we were doing the homeless. We were feeding the homeless in Greensboro yesterday, and um, Pastor Matt walked up to me, and he said, and we greeted each other, and he sprang it on me. He said, what is your theme today? And very softly, I said, God's creation unfolds, and I think he said, oh boy, I'm in trouble. Maybe I need to have a backup sermon but I'm fully equipped today. One other joke. So Wednesday night, we heard that we were gonna have some really strong winds. So Tawana and I said we might as well go out, get the food that we need for, for Christmas dinner, and we'll be set. So we walked up to the counter with our food and we were getting ready to pay for it. So we paid for it and I realized I needed some more change. They did not have the change there at the cash register. So I walked over to customer service to get the change that I needed. I had the buggy in my hand and no groceries in the basket. So I walked on over to customer service, unbeknownst to me that I had no groceries in my grocery cart. And when I walked over, there was a lady who was in front of me and she said, oh, go ahead. And I'm sure she looked at my buggy, saw me just fervently pushing it with no grocery in it. So when I got my change, I decided to look in my basket and I saw no food there. Then I panicked. And Tawana walked up to me. I said, did you get the groceries? She said, yeah. She said, me and the cashier kind of smiled. You just left the groceries and just walked away from it. I said, well, you know I didn't mean it. She said, oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, right. Yes, you did. But it was so funny to me, and we finally got, got that resolved. But I really appreciate her bearing with me these last couple months. So I have been planning this sermon for the last couple months, been working on it very fervently. And initially, when you're beginning, I'm thinking, what should I present? What should I say to the people? What should I say to your people? And you have all of these topics running through your mind. 
so you continue to just kind of weed out and weed out and weed out. And I finally got down to the topic that I wanted, and I said to myself, Lord, is this the topic you want me to speak about today? And he revealed to me, he said, Eleanor, it's not your topic, it's mine. It is my topic. I say, praise the Lord. And overnight, last night, you know, repeatedly, here and there, I got good rest, but the Lord just came to me. I started tearing up, and I said, Lord, I'm not equipped to bring your word. I am not equipped. I thought about Isaiah, and Isaiah talked about the angel touching his tongue with coals, and he continued to talk to Isaiah, and he said, who will go for me? And I'm thinking, Lord, I'm so unworthy. I'm not unworthy. I'm not worthy to bring this word before the people today. He said, it's my word. And I bowed my knees, and he said, who will go? And I said, here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me. So my meditation for the day is, in my life, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified. In my life, Lord, be glorified today. In your church, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified. In your church, Lord, be glorified today. I feel your prayers. I feel your prayers in the audience, and I feel your prayers online. Thank you so much for your prayers. I'd like to, even though the praise team has done an awesome job of praying, I'd like to pray today. Let us bow. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We praise your name from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. Your name is worthy to be praised. We need a blessing today as we open your word. Enlighten our minds that it will go forward and present the effective testimony to those we meet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The opening passage of the Bible states two important truths. First, the heavens and the earth, or the material universe, had a beginning. Second, they were created by God. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. They are and were created for all intents and purposes. We will, therefore, approach creation of the earth from a biblical account. John 1, 1 states, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
says that Jesus was with God at the beginning of time. And the scripture in, Joel, in John says that Jesus was reconciling the world. Even before we were created, he was reconciling. He, was, he knew that he was going to have to be that perfect sacrifice. I won't go too far. My sermon presents a planet which was non-existent before creation of planet Earth. However, through love and God's creative powers, we see a non-existent planet become fully functional, adorned with all necessities of life and sustenance. We will explore this process through the biblical account of the book of Genesis. Genesis 1-2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. There was no planet. There was no planet Earth before the world was created. It was dark, no form, nothing. My theme text says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So you're probably wondering, what is the theme of my text? It is God's creation unfolds. And the theme text, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. This means at the point of a brand new planet, God set a beginning in motion, meaning a time frame where time did not formally exist for the birth of new beings, concepts, principles, commandments, statues, and where fellowship exists. God also created the number system that we may be able to incorporate this new system and numbers as well as symbols to connect with him. At the time of creation, God created the heaven and the earth. Genesis 1-3 says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. At the very beginning, God made Jesus the light, representing truth, that which is accurate, his children, something good and positive, faith, righteousness, a path to heaven, and that which is seen with the naked eye, as well as unseen with the mind's eye. In contrast, then, darkness infers the opposite, Things that are untrue, unrighteous, unholy, darkness, and unfaithfulness. The scripture tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. You remember that old hymn, We'll walk in the light, beautiful light, come where the dewdrops, show mercy shines bright, shine all around me, shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus is the light of the world. And likewise, we are light bearers to reflect this light Jesus so freely gives. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
purpose used for lighting one's path and also as the word of God, for it points us in the direction we should go. The oil, then, is the spirit of God for us to abide by its precepts and promises and guides us into all truths. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. Just as God created the light, he evidently created time, for he set a purpose and period for light to shine. So there had to have been time and darkness to rule, so God set time in motion. Day two, Genesis 1-6 says, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Genesis 1-7 says, and God made the firmament and divided the waters from the waters, which were under the firmament from the waters, which were above the firmament, and it was so. God created the firmament, which is heaven, and separated the heavens from the earth. And the evening and the morning were the second day. Let's take a visual look and dissect the heavens. There are five layers in the atmosphere. Also, within the atmosphere are layers of gases that surround the Earth. These five layers, the first is the troposphere. The second is the stratosphere. The third layer is the mesosphere. And the fourth one is the thermosphere. And finally, the fifth one is the exosphere. Let's look at the troposphere first. The troposphere begins at the atmospheric surface. This first layer is where we all exist in careers, marriage, families, social friends, and paying homage to God. We also enjoy different seasons, fall, winter, spring, and summer, as well as atmospheric changes. The second one is the stratosphere, and it is located just above the troposphere where airplanes fly. Let's take some examples so it makes it a little bit more meaningful to you. This is where airplanes fly, and most of you have been on a flight trip at some time or another, and they fly at various levels and speeds. Examples are American Airlines, Delta Airlines, Continental, Transair, Northwest, Southwest, Transworld, and United Airlines, just to name a few. The next one is the mesosphere, just above the stratosphere. This is where satellites revolve around the Earth. A few names of some of the satellites you remember hearing at some point in time are the Challenger, the Atlas, the NOAA, the GOES-13, and the Falcon. 
The next level of the atmosphere is the thermosphere. That is the fourth one. It's located just above the mesosphere. There are vast amounts of radiation to help keep our planet at a temperature where life can exist. And finally, the last one is the exosphere. The last layer of the atmosphere. The exosphere separates the rest of the atmosphere from outer space. This is where atoms and molecules escape into space. Praise God for the exosphere because we would all be floating out in space if that were not the case. But he has placed these layers so that certain things can function as he commands. Just as God created the heaven, he also created the earth. That's what Genesis 1-1 says in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. So we won't dissect the earth's crust because the earth is just the earth, but it's a beautiful picture. So there are five layers to the Earth's crust as well. We've got the lithosphere, which is the Earth's surface. We live and move and enjoy life. The second one is the athenosphere, the upper mantle. And the third one is the mesospheric mantle, which is the lower mantle, the outer core, and the inner core. Within the Earth are various temperatures, just like the atmosphere. God also created matter, various types of particles to keep the earth balanced. Day three, Genesis 1.11 says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit of the tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is sown in the earth. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. God created dry land and vegetation. The dry lands, we see that one, and the vegetation, beautiful peppers, beautiful color of vegetables. There are zones where precipitation is balanced by evaporation from the Earth's surface and by transport of plants. Temperature and humidity are main factors which determines the character and extent of vegetation. God created an atmosphere for us to subsist, enjoy life, and live off the good of the land. Day four, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day God created the sun, moon, and stars. The sun is the closest star to the earth. It makes its own heat and light and produces a mixture of all colors in the rainbow. Reds, oranges, yellows, greens, blues, indigos, and violets. The earth rotates around the sun. And as it rotates around the sun, um, the earth completely rotates and it gives heat 
and light. It has a temperature of 15 million degrees at its central core. The Earth rotates once every 24 hours. Each time it rotates, we have one day and one night. Can you imagine a creation from nothing to an ecosystem such as lights in the heaven? They have always existed since the beginning of time and will do so through eternity. Day four continues. I'd like to elaborate just a little bit on the picture of the sun, the moon, and the stars. That's a beautiful picture. Have you ever seen a sunrise and sunset over the ocean on a clear day? It is a beautiful sight to behold. It appears as if the sun is sinking deeper and deeper into the ocean. But during the setting process, it appears to fall off into the ocean. It is really a magnificent color. Time and beginning of Earth's process to slumber and sleep because we are getting at the point where the sun is beginning to set. Just as the Earth sets, you can see the moon in the sky as well, only in a different spot. So when the sun sets, the moon stands ready to be that lesser light during the night. The stars then cup themselves around the moon and appear as sparkles in the sky. What a mighty God we serve. Day five, Genesis 1.20 said, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. God created fowls of the air and fishes of the sea. They serve dual purposes to produce each one after its kind to cohabitate within the same environment and food. If one species invades another's territory, it can be killed or befriended. The ocean is the heart of our planet. It's hard to believe that it is the heart of planet Earth. Water covers more than two-thirds of the Earth's surface. Sea plants like the Piscinia produces 70% of the ocean we breathe. The deep waters are home to wildlife and some of the largest creatures on earth. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the sharks and beautiful picture of the whale? Just takes us to a high level. Nothing but God could produce something such as this. Day six, God created beast and man. Genesis 1.25 says, And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And on the sixth 
day of creation, God created the land animals. You see those beautiful lions? Aren't they majestic? So on the sixth day, he created the land animals, and the pinnacle of his creative power was man. God's handiwork was complete at the end of the sixth day. He created land animals into being. Let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock and creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind. However, when creating mankind, God took counsel with himself. God is above no other. He had, he rules heaven and earth. Nothing else can outthink, outplan God. God took counsel with himself. And he said, let us make man in our image. This is not an explicit revelation of the Trinity, but it provides a foundation for it. As God reveals in us with the Godhead, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, we're at the beginning of creation. God formed the first man in, the, in his image and special above all creatures. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Day seven, God ended his work, not because he was tired, but set an example for man to rest. God rested the seventh day, God blessed it, and God sanctified the seventh day, according to Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work. This completes or concludes creation and the seven days. Now I'd like to focus a little bit on the relationship between God and man. Genesis 3 says, begins this covenant relationship between a holy God and man. However, I must interject that God's relationship with man really began at the foundation of the world when Jesus agreed to be the perpetuation to make things right with God because of sin, even though man was not yet created. God knew that man would sin, but in his kind, tender mercies, he said, who will be the perpetuator for me? Who will be the intercessor for me? Who will go in God in my behalf? And Jesus said, I will do it even before we were created. The subtle serpent was cunning and deceptive and raised an inquisitive thought to Eve by saying, you shall not surely die. 
but you will be as gods. Eve sinned as a result of this deception. But God had already made a plan through his son, Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, referred to as a ram in the thicket. We refer to it as a ram in the bush, especially when Abraham was offering his son Isaac. Didn't get through it because Christ stopped him in the process. This sin they had committed according to Genesis 22:13. Genesis 3:8 says, though, God establishes the fact that he was in the habit of visiting Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. After their sin, instead of God walking and talking and fellowshipping with Adam, they now heard his voice, not to see his face. Thus, they hid from the presence of God amongst the trees in the garden. But Genesis 3.15 says, and I, let me go back and say, this is the very first covenant that God has made with man. And it says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his seal. This is the first solid promise God provides a way to escape the penalty of death because of man's sin. But Isaiah 59, 2 says, but your iniquities have separated between you and God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. However, there is a God in the midst of your disobedience that says, I will provide a way of escape for you, your children, and your children's children. What a beautiful thought. God, in his tender mercies, allowed Adam and Eve to live, Adam, excuse me, to live to the fruitful age of 930 years, and he died. What is the definition of a covenant? It's a formal, solemn, and binding agreement. A compact, an agreement in the Bible is a bonding understanding between God and his people. Whatever he promises, he will do. Titus 1-2 says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, Adam and Eve were able to look down through the eternal ages of time and trust God that through his promise would straighten out this dire situation they found themselves after sin. Genesis 3.15 interpreted says, as the head of Satan would be crushed, but the heel of Jesus would be injured, not to the point of eternal death, Although he says he lays his life down and raises it up again, but to the point of recovery. So Jesus, he was not really killed by the Roman soldiers. He was not killed by Pilate. He said, I lay my life down and I raise my life up again for you. Another covenant we focus on today 
is the one made during the antediluvian world, which means before the flood, when God instructed Noah to build an ark of gopher wood. It's found in Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8, and it promises he, God promises he will destroy man. This wood suggests it is a lamination process made necessary by the enormous size of the building of the ark. We serve not a small God that we put in a genie box, but a gigantic one who stoops down and fashions and molds us into his image and breathes the breath of life into our very being. The then known world was destroyed due to man's disobedience and everything within the world was destroyed, including the vegetation, man, wildlife, the sphere, meaning the very shape of planet Earth. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Verse 13 says, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with the violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth, with the exception of Noah and his family, the clean, the unclean beasts, and the fowls. The clean beasts went in orderly into the ark in groups of sevens, the unclean beasts in groups of twos and the fowls. In a similar way, God has already set the terms of his covenant with man, and man had no part in making the terms and conditions thereof. God's covenant reveals and expresses his will for man. The terms are obedience to his commandments, his laws, his precepts, his ordinances, and instructions in his word. Deuteronomy 12.1 says, These are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe to do in the land which the Lord thy God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it all the days that ye live upon the earth. One of the first covenants of promise is the coming of the Messiah is found in Jeremiah. In all places, it's found in Jeremiah in the Old Testament who predicted hundreds of years before the coming of Christ that Christ would come in and come to earth and redeem fallen man. And it says, but everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. Though it tastes sweet to his mouth, it will become bitter in his belly. Verse 31, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, which my covenant they break repeatedly, time, time, dividing time and time again. Although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days,
sobering for me. The fulfillment of that scripture is found in the New Testament of that new covenant, one of my most favorite books of the Bible, which is found in Hebrews. But we'll be reading from uh, chapter 9, verses 22 through 25. Let us draw near to God with true hearts in full assurance of faith, having their hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You've probably heard that term water used before in the New Testament when Jesus met the woman at the well and he was already sitting there waiting for her. Isn't that something? He knew she was coming. He was sitting waiting for her when he asked for a drink of water. And she said, you being a Jew, ask me being a Samaritan for a drink of water? He said yes. He knew that he saw salvation properties within her. He said, the water that you give me, I will thirst again. But the water that I give you will be everlasting water, pure water, bubbling up, springing up into everlasting life. That's the pure water I'm sure we all want to take advantage of. And verse 33 says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful, that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling, assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as ye see the day approaching. God's covenant was set forth with Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15, and it sure continues to go forth to us today as his children. That which he has promised will be fulfilled, it says, till the day of Jesus Christ. The rainbow, I know you probably thought I forgot about the rainbow, the rainbow is shown in the heavens after a hard rain, and sometimes it's shown even in dry weather. It displays many colors, and the wondrous structure is beautiful beyond compare. And we are reminded every time we see that rainbow that God will never destroy the earth again by fire by flood, excuse me. Revelation 4, 3 says, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper. This is a stone. The jasper stone contains hues of browns, reds, and muted colors, and a sardine stone. And the name is derivative from a root meaning reds, blues, and rich in color. And there was, you see, a rainbow around the throne of God. And it was like unto an emerald. So God has all of these different jewels for a reason. And that emerald is used for healing properties. And he says that the healing properties were done in ancient times. Revelation 
22, verses 1 and 2 says, And he showed me a pure river of water, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the midst of the street and on either side of a river, there was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, meaning there was a different fruit on the tree every month. And the leaves were used for the healing of the nations. Do you not see a correlation of the redness in the stones mentioned and Jesus shedding his blood for us? This tells us, this rainbow, which God promised Noah that the earth will never again be destroyed by a flood, there is also this heavenly rainbow, grand, magnificent, and beyond human expression, which completely encircles the throne of God. Brothers and sisters, don't you want to live in a land where there is no night, neither sorrow, nor pain, nor death, because the leaves of the tree of life will keep us well. Without pain or sickness, we will have immortality, for the former things are all passed away. Behold, all things are become as new. We as finite beings cannot fathom the sights to behold which God has prepared for those who love him. Let us praise him, thank him, love him, magnify him, and sanctify him. Pray that we all will be there. 